Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to a very special edition of the Aces on Bases podcast. This one has been a long time in the making. It's one that we've been trying to get together for about a month and a half. On this episode, myself, Blue Jays memes, along with Detmers, Lewis, and Noah, sit down for just a casual conversation with the Jolly Olive. Some of the topics we cover on this episode include the amount of perfect games and no-hitters that have been seen in 2021, the AL MVP race, the Tampa Bay Rays, what made Jolly a Mets fan rather than a Yankees fan. Of course, we do sprinkle a little bit of Jays and Mets talk in there, and so much more. So, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Aces on Bases. gentlemen welcome to another edition of the aces on bases podcast and it is another very special episode as we are i wouldn't say doing an interview i think it's going to be more of just a casual conversation rather than a formal interview but we're very happy to have this guest on with us this week because we've been trying to get him for a very very long time you know him from youtube he is a sensation he is a Mets fan, long-suffering Mets fan. He is the Jolly Olive. <laughs> Jolly, welcome to the Thanks show. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you doing? Sorry, I cut you off there. I'm good, man. I'm happy to be here. It's been it's been a long time coming. I think we've been trying to do this for like a month now, so we finally got it going. Yeah, a month, month and a half. I'm, I'm glad we finally got this going, and as I was saying off air, like... It's like the baseball gods worked in our favor tonight because tonight was supposed to be the Blue Jays debut of one of their top pitching prospects, Alec Manoa, but our game got rained out against the Yankees. So <laughs> we were actually able to get this this interview or uh, conversation in tonight. So I'm very very happy with that. I'm going to open yeah. I'm going to open the floor up to Detmers, Lewis, and Noah in just a couple minutes, but I do have some things that I want to get off my chest first. First of all, congratulations to you. You recently left your job to become a full-time content creator and focus more on on your videos and stuff. You've also joined the team over at Starkraven Sports. So first of all, congratulations. And do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Thank you very much. First and foremost... I was working part-time. I, I finished up my last semester of college uh, this past semester. So I was doing part-time work, college work, and then also trying to make the thing work. And it was a lot, for sure, because I had, like, a nice little boom in, like, January, February. And I didn't want to, you know, like, focus all my time on school if that was going to be going well. So I had to kind of sit between the three. It was pretty stressful, but things have worked out pretty well. And now I'm kind of, like, set up for the summer nice, which is good. And I am very lucky to have two very awesome and caring parents who have encouraged me to try and pursue this full time because they see the early results. I'm really appreciative of them. And yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it because I'm going from a purely scholastic life of tutoring at work and then also (laughs) working on schoolwork to now just getting to write about my favorite sport and my favorite team. So it's a very fortunate turn of events. Yeah, it's great when you can actually do something that's sort of like your lifelong passion. Before I get into my next question... Tell us a little bit about how you got connected with the Starkraven sports guys. Yeah. 
funnily enough, it's probably not what you're expecting, but they wanted to do like they were trying out this like live game of the week thing, like that where the whole crew and some other friends would play a game. And the game that was in when they were doing this was Among Us. And they had, I believe, Mark, Draft Deck Mark, slated, but he had to cancel for some reason. So they needed an extra guy. And uh, I think it was Matt or, I, or Matt or Mike, I forget who it was, that reached out to me. And they're like, hey, do you want to come on? And I was, this was back when I had like, I think 500 subs or something. I was still a little baby. <laughs> and I was like, of course, I, I, I lunged at the opportunity. Then they featured me in their Mets documentary, and they were very inclusive of the whole Mets Twitter community and Mets YouTube, which was awesome. That was the uh, Meet the Wilpons video? Yeah, that was the Meet the Wilpons video. I have a little cameo at the the very, very well done video. Yeah, really good. Matt's best work. And from there, you know, I I just kept in contact with the guys. They saw me take off, and uh, they wanted to do a thing sort of like what they did with SportsStorm, where they kind of bring somebody on for their own little niche video. Mike drew up something really nice for me in terms of like a general topic. And then we worked on putting together Grady Sizemore. And then from there, the video did really well. And I'm uh, slowly conceptualizing my second installment. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So you actually started your YouTube channel about a year ago. It was last August when you posted your first video. And I do want to touch right. on this because there have been so many no hitters this sh- so yeah. far this year. There's been six or seven, if you include the Mass and Baumgartner seven inning one, which I want to include personally. I include that as well. Excellent. But your very first video focused on the forgotten no hitter thrown by Jonathan Sanchez. And there are some really cool parallels that I find between that and the no-hitter that John Means threw for the Orioles a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Jonathan Sanchez almost had a perfect game. He ended up losing it in the eighth inning due to an error. John Means also would have had a perfect game had it not been for that drop third strike. I believe it was in the third or fourth inning. Jonathan Sanchez's perfect game was... Or, sorry, no hitter was overshadowed a couple weeks later when Mark Burley threw a perfect game, and John Means, John Means no hitter has already been overshadowed because there have yeah. been three no like three of them three no hitters since then. It was yeah. the it was the first Giants no hitter since 1976 for for Jonathan Sanchez. For John Means, it was the first Orioles no hitter by an individual pitcher since 1969, and Jonathan Sanchez struck out 11 <laughs> in his no hitter, while John Means struck out 12. Do you want to talk about the parallels? Because it's really not that often where you get to draw parallels between two no hitters like this. Yeah, absolutely. And you're, you're, I, you're, sorry, your thumbnails okay. have improved since that video. But, yes, okay. it's true. My first thumbnail is uh, <laughs> regrettable at best. Well, first, I want to say thanks for doing doing your homework because that's uh, like a very low viewed video and like just like the first one I put out there. So the fact that you know it of its existence, I commend you. Two, I haven't thought about the parallels between those two games at all until you brought it up, but now that you do, that is pretty eerie to say the least. <laughs> It always really intrigued me Well, because when I made the video, no hitters were not nearly as common. Like we had seen them go up a little bit, but nothing like this year. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's so it's so interesting to think of like a career guy that didn't really live up to his potential, but did something fantastic. And still nobody cared. Like that's that's unfortunate because, you know, Matt came through a perfect game for the Giants, like not too long after. That's the one that people go back to the most, I think. So, I mean, poor John Means because he's having an awesome year and he pitched a really good game and I'm not fully endorsing the drop third strike rule. It's something that I really hadn't thought about in too much detail until a situation like that happened. And I was like, well, yeah, why do we have this rule? If John Means got the batter out and the catcher just didn't catch the ball or it broke bat or whatever, why does that result in a base awarded? Like, it never really popped in my head until we were in the scenario where it's proving to be a very vital thing because this would have been the first perfect game since 2012 with King Felix. Well, and and sorry to cut you you off there for a second, but especially when the rule is if it's a drop third strike and there's a runner on base, then the batter's already automatically out because he can't advance. But yeah, if there's not a runner on base, he can advance. It's just, yeah. it, it's one of those weird baseball rules that kind of makes sense, but really doesn't. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I'm going to open up the floor to the other guys. So Noah, Lewis, Stetmers, which one of you guys want to go first? Oh, baby. Yeah, uh, I can jump in if you want. Anyone? Go can. ahead. Yeah, you go first. 
Yeah, so, go yeah, ahead, Detmers. With that drop third strike thing, I know that you've probably seen Jolly on Twitter the outrage when Bumgarner threw the no hitter, um, <laughs> and and Stephen Matz, who you didn't end up jinxing, came nice. Back. Yeah, he had a good game last night. Yes, he did. Just turns into Pedro Martinez every time he faces the Yankees, <laughs> which is, I guess which so. is perfect. It's perfect. But there was very little outrage with that John Means situation. Like, I'll tell you, I didn't see anybody speaking out against that rule right. after John Means threw that no-hitter. Orioles fans did. Corey Kluber, if that had happened to Corey Kluber, Twitter would have been on fire. Like, people would be <laughs> yeah. hurling insults at Man and Fred. But John Means? Nobody seemed to be upset about that rule. And to that point, I had thought that a drop third strike... If he had struck the batter out, that wouldn't count against a perfect game because I thought it was only errors. I thought it was errors, hits. And, you know, that situation, it's almost like the MLB community kind of disrespected him. But then again, if Spencer Turnbull and Wade Miley are throwing no hitters at the same time, (laughs) everybody's attention is going to Yeah, it's no longer a prevalent issue. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, no, it's definitely interesting. And I feel like it's a little bit of the battle of the traditionalists in the game. Because, I mean, I'm going to use my dad as an example. He does not like the seven-inning doubleheaders. I, I, I have no issue with them, really, because I think it's just better for the players and better for time conservation, what, yada, yada, yada. But I think that, you know, when you, when you affect a, a core value of the game, like the amount of time played in a game, that is probably more likely to incite outrage to the people that have lived with the same version of the game for so long. Whereas the drop third strike, something that they've had for so long in their game, it doesn't phase them. They wouldn't even try to process eliminating that rule because it's part of the game that they grew up with. It's part of the game that they've learned and understood. And we're, we're a younger generation sort of determining our own understanding of the game. And we're more likely to see the flaws of the game because we aren't blinded by like nostalgia or a, a longstanding attachment. So when you bring it up in the air of no hitters, it's really interesting because some people view the, a, lot of, a lot of no hitters as a cool thing. Some people really don't like it. But when there's traditionalist rules in the balance there, it creates an interesting room for discussion. But the fact that no discussion was had, really, other than our little bubble on Twitter, because I know you guys were, were probably active in that discussion, too, since we're talking about it. It's just interesting to think about. So I don't, I don't really know what to make of it, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, it's it's certainly a unique situation. Like I brought up on the podcast last week that like on my own personal Instagram, like everyone's in, you know, in Toronto and Canada, there's a lot of baseball fans, but everybody's kind of thinking of hockey and basketball first because that's where we've been more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, not really not hockey, like, but <laughs> <laughs> we're not having we better much better success close, there. <laughs> we better close out that series. Yeah. But like I'll repost something baseball related, like from the MLB account or something. So when I think Musgrove, the first no hitter, reposted that. When Rodon threw the second, reposted that. I think it was Miley with the third. I'm like, how many are they going to throw? They're going to think that these happen every two seconds. Then after Turnbull threw them, just like, I'm going to stop posting this thing. Now it's just a regular. (laughs) Yeah, John Boy had the same issue because John Boy used to break down every no hitter. And then there's already been six this year. So he kind of tabled some of them until Kluber threw one, which, you know, I get it. He had hit your fan base. No slack. No slack. And Um, MLB the show putting out diamonds for each no hitter. Yeah. Diamond Wade Miley, his uh, interesting (laughs) sentence. It's definitely not words I'd put together, but you know, like golf. Yeah. Awesome. But yeah, no, like I, I, I also said on last week's show, like with the abundance of no hitters that we we've had this year, it's almost, it's, it's like during the late nineties, early two thousands during the steroid era, when you had so many people getting 50 home run seasons, when that used to be such a sacred rare thing that it just wasn't special anymore yeah. and and that's sort of how i feel this year just with the no hitters so interesting think about yeah yeah i uh, feel like go ahead. maybe this is too outlandish a claim but i feel like maybe we won't even see that this year a 50 home run hitter i mm, i'd actually tend to with that like yeah. The only I think we'll see some mid forties. Like I think Vlad will get there. Adelis Garcia looks like he's chalking up some nice numbers. So that's good for him. I don't know how he's maybe doing even it. I don't know how. He's <laughs> yeah, but I don't know about fifty. I, and I feel like that that's a, another really good point to bring up. It's like oh, the the entire landscape of the game has shifted. So yeah. Now uh, the quitching anomaly thing isn't really that cool anymore. Exactly. Yeah. You're not going to see guys like Brian Ander, not Brian Anderson, Brady Anderson. I think in '97 or '96. 
hitting 50 bombs out of nowhere and going back to <laughs> that's a name wow oh my god that's just like a forgotten player that's yeah, before i was forgotten goal. 50 homer season that's not bad that that might be a video idea the forgotten 50 home run seasons yeah <laughs> um i just uh plagiarize that off the pot <laughs> <laughs> but i i i, I do just want to quickly time. say that vlad is hitting like 87 home runs this year i'm calling that right now <laughs> Oh, okay. Cool. Very balanced. Yeah, Very yeah. good guess, honestly. No bias. But it's no been bias. it's been mostly myself and and Detmers at this point. Lewis, do you wanna do you wanna get some stuff in for for Jolly? Okay. So my, the first video I watched of yours was the Degrom video, which was a great video. I love that, and I was hooked. Obviously, been sticking well, with the channel. Done. And I think the big thing, and I, I was, I've I've been rooting for you to get on this pod for a while now, and uh, uh, one of the. Yeah. One of the big things, yeah, I want to, we want to talk about is kind of the Blue Jays Mets race in the off season. Yeah, because there was like we were fighting for Lindor, then fighting for Springer, then we met in the middle with Mats. I think I really want to go over this. Like at the start of the off season, what were you expecting from your Mets? I mean, because uh, <laughs> you, you got yeah. Lindor. You guys have had some good topics. I gotta say, this has been <laughs> this has been pretty good so far, and it, it's really interesting because. I, You'd think that as a fan of team, you would develop a little bit of like a stigma towards another team trying to poach all the players you're looking at. But mm-hmm. it really made me like develop a sense of like affinity with the, with the Blue Jays. Like I kind of like I, I appreciate it a little bit because I feel I feel like it put our franchises in very similar positions, which is cool because we're in different. So I can kind of like watch the growth of both franchises while they're on that same pursuit. And, you know, I'm glad we got Lindor and you guys got Springer. You know, it all worked out. We all got a player each, which is nice. And it was looking fair until Nimmo got injured. Nimmo was playing a good center and had a good bat. So, you know, now we're in a tough spot because we're on center fielder number five. (laughs) Yeah, and McKinney. Yeah, Janashri Fargus was the fourth stringer and actually playing pretty well. Like, he was swinging a good bat, and then he crashed into the wall. And and that's a... That, sorry, sorry oh, okay. to interrupt for just a sec, Lewis, oh, but that, that that's a that's another parallel right now between the Mets and the Jays is mm. just the amount of injuries that both teams are suffering through yeah. right now. It's it's a lot of teams too. Like if they can't limit you to like I'm in the, my own Mets bubble, so I obviously view my my team situation as the worst because I think we're up to like 17 now. But, well, oh I, it's the, tough. The, the Mets are my. I I adopted the Mets as my NL team a couple years ago after my Let's first go. trip to City Field. So this has just been such such a disheartening year for me watching both the and Mets we're both and still the Blue Jays. Over five hundred though. Yeah, yeah. We're still winning team. Yeah. So you know, there you my go. dad is a Mets fan, and he was finally happy after Lindor. Yeah, like he was he was talking smack. Oh, the Blue Jays should have got Lindor. Just wait. No, nah, I, I Lind- never look really at felt Lindor like Lindor now. was a good fit on Toronto, even when they were, sense. like, high gunning for him. Yeah. But, I don't know. What I mean, is this your is... opinion on the situation now with Lindor? Because I'd, like, be, I'd oh. dying to hear it. Well, I was at the game yesterday, so I got to be oh, yeah. in the stands firsthand for the booze. And <laughs> that, that I, listen, I know there's a lot of discussion about Mets fans are becoming Yankees fans. And that is partly true because now we're getting a better product and we feel like we're entitled to results. And like, you know, that makes sense when your team does well, you want to have high expectations and like you naturally get disappointed with Lindor, you know, you're in year one of like an 11 year contract or something like that. And I know like, so start this, they pulled a really good graphic of like first year free agents with the Mets. And like the one that was most akin to Lindor's poor performance was Curtis Granderson. And Curtis Granderson is one of my most fondly remembered Mets during his four year stint with us. Obviously it's a way different situation. It's a much larger contract. There are bigger expectations, but I, I, I still think the move was worth it, especially considering the return we gave them. It's not working out for them at all. So it's still harmless in terms of like, what did the Mets lose? Like, we don't know in terms of prospects for like another three or four years. But I, I'm, I've been a patient Mets fan since '09, when I was following the team like very, very closely. So I'm, I'm perfectly akin to disappointment. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I still know Francisco Lindor is a good player. He'll come around. Yeah, I agree. Another thing that's kind of getting the getting the eyes of the Blue Jays Twitter world is that the Mets are pretty much the Blue Jays. Yes. Yeah. They have all these past Blue Jays players, Brandon Jury, Billy McKinney, Marcus Stroman, I'm pretty sure Castro was in our farm system at one point. Oh, yeah. Syndergaard. Yep. SRF. Who, SRF. How, how we that's, a, that's a big one because he's a, a Mets darling now. Yeah, yeah. 
I, that that trait is fantastic, and I think that's something we really want to talk about. Yeah, and I, I also on the TL today too about Mets fans talking about we won the trade. I think it, it's still a win-win. It's, it's a like win-win. even even if mm-hmm. Mats have a fantastic season, Jay still needed a starter. Yeah, like they they couldn't what we're doing with like SRF and Lucchese because you guys are already a very bullpen reliant team because the bullpen's been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, but you guys needed somebody to fill out that rotation. Like you know, Mats has the upside, but Mats was never going to succeed in New York. We already learned that he needed a change of scenery. So yeah. it's still win-win in my book, for sure. Yeah, definitely good. And then, of course, the Jays get Springer, and we get, like, what, four games of him. Hits, one, hits the longest homer of his career, and then he disappears to the IL for another yep. two months. Tough. So it's tough. Like, okay, sure, we lost out on Lindor, but he's not doing too well. Springer isn't even playing. Yeah, if anything, we're both just the big losers here, honestly. <laughs> just the big losers. Yeah, yeah, both the true winners of the offseason are the Dodgers. Yeah. yeah. After a tough after a tough loss, it's always Sal, isn't it? It's all it's, it's yeah. Sal or Murray. Yeah, Sal and Murray. Poor Murray. They're so mean to Murray. They just crap on Murray every chance they get. And, uh, poor guy. No, we haven't heard much from you. Would you like a chance to jo- jump in here? Yeah. Chime in. Yeah, so I just want to ask you more about the injuries, because both the Jays and the Mets have been decimated. Like, absolutely decimated. Yeah. And look... There's a huge jump, obviously, from like a 60 game to 162. But like, they're not even like, I think they're around 40 games now. And I'm like, yeah, they they can say it's like the jump from 60 to 162 is a reason. And there's also been more freak injuries, which I think yeah. is random. Like running into a wall and getting hit in the face in the fastball. I think I think it's got to be a combination of a couple things. I I, it, I think it's the timeline goes longer than I think just the 60 to 162. I think you had a long season headed into 2020 with base where they got warmed up for like two weeks. Yeah. Then you play the same season. Then you have a regular off season and your body hasn't fully adjusted because you haven't stretched it out fully. You didn't play the full 162. So I think it's a little bit of a timeline thing there. I also think guys are really just going for it. And you, you mentioned a lot of freak injuries. I think it's because these guys, especially on our two teams, they're excited to be playing for a potential division winning team. Like, you know, they want to give out their effort and stuff like that. A lot of our injured guys are secondary guys who were in for playing time, wanted to, you know, make their status known. Almora crashed into the wall. That's how he got injured. The stuff like that. So I, I think, you know, there, it definitely is a concern, but I, I don't really know what they're, what can be done with it, which is the concerning part. I loved Pilar's tweet after he got hit in the face and it was hashtag, he said, like, what he wanted to say and then hashtag art. Yeah. That's just the most Pilar thing. Because after the game and he got hit and I didn't realize yeah. how bad it was at first. He got hit on like the shoulder because I was like half watching. Then I got mm-hmm. hit on the shoulder. I was like, all right, RBI. But then I saw him down and I was like, oh, no. Here we go. I, will, yeah. I will trade that RBI for Pilar, please. One thing that you'll never be able to take away from Pilar is that he's a warrior. He just, mm. he yeah. just does it. He does his job. He goes he's, a, he's already won me over. I was a little skeptical of the signing, but he's easily won me over. I was oh, yeah. always skeptical of him. I wanted them to trade him for so long, but yeah. I could never take that away from him yeah. because he always he, put in 110. And yeah. he, like he was never the best hitter, but you could tell he was out there. He was a blue jay, right? Like I see him in Mets, but he's still a blue jay. Yeah, like, all the way. He always will like, be. He was drafted in the. He was drafted 979th overall. The, the yeah. guy has been fighting his whole career. Yeah. He was a good archetype for where like our organization was at the moment. Like, and you gotta remember, I'm I'm going back a little bit, but like, wasn't Dalton Pompey supposed to be like one of one of the Blue Jays guys? And I oh yeah, like he was. Him and Pilar yeah. were up around the same time, and Pilar, I don't think ever was supposed to be one of the guys. So it's kind of interesting how that worked. Yeah, Pompey was quite an experiment. Yeah. I remember it was Jose. I remember this so vividly. I don't know why I do, but it was Jose Bautista bobblehead day. It was like <laughs> May 2015. And Pompey was up, and everybody was excited to watch him play. He made three errors. Tough. And the crowd was just like, why is this guy up here? They turn on him? They they just completely turned on the guy. I felt bad, but it it was not a good show in here. (laughs) Alex Anthopoulos did not do well for this farm system, so. No. no, no. He gave us Vlad, Vlad and we're happy. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> he did give you Vlad. Vlad looks like the real deal. My my oh, off-season man. bet on his MVP run, it's looking pretty good right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're going to make bank. I hope so. I'm well, trying to turn 25 into 150. So let, we'll let, let me yeah, ask you this, but, because this is, this is an internal discussion that I've been having with myself. I would love to see Vlad win the MVP 
and he's starting to get more more accolades and, and recognition from media south of the border. But do you think that Otani might beat him out just because of what Otani's doing, not just as a hitter, but as a pitcher as well? Yeah, it's definitely a tough year for Vlad to be breaking out because yeah. what Otani's doing, no slack on the Jays. It deserves all media attention. It's a complete anomaly. I, for it's one, I, I endorse Otani for MVP if he can stay healthy, just because I think that's a monumental thing in MLB history. It deserves to be recognized with that kind of thing. And I don't even necessarily think he'll win Cy Young. I think it would just be cool. I, I think it would be very cool to see a pitcher win MVP and not Cy Young, because usually the two go together when you think of, like, when Kershaw did it. Yeah, I, I, I think they would almost give him Cy Young, or sorry, MVP over Cy Young just because of being the two-way player, and somebody else yeah. will probably sneak in there and get the Cy Young. Even though Vlad has been the better hitter so far when you look at stats and stuff, but the fact that Otani is doing well with the bat and also <laughs> pitching very well. If, if, I, j- just put yourself in that position. If Vlad is starting every fifth day and he has a two ERA, you know, then he's that's the MVP, nuts. but it, he just doesn't it's, have that It comes edge, down to is, the you know, second value in MVP or yeah. the second letter in MVP, yeah. which is value. Yeah. yeah. Imagine yeah, how much absolutely. value you're getting out of Otani. It's just. Well, I mean, to. to to, to be angel, so I can kind of fight for both. Yeah. To, to, to be Jeez. fair, the Jays don't have a fourth or fifth starter, so maybe we can just start converting <laughs> Vlad. Hey. Never too late. It's never too late. Not too bad. Not it too might, bad. Might be too late. Might have Anthony. to trade for James McCann to fill that spot. Is Ryu, Ryu is still on the IL, right? No, no Ryu's, Ryu's back. Pitching. He, yeah, no, okay, he was. Okay. He only missed He's one back. start, so we're see. good with Ryu. All right, good, good, good. good. That's what I like to do. Nice. The, the bullpen's exploding for us. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah, it's not doing good recently. Well, I mean, we, 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 it, we it, lost it, six straight. Bit. We lost six straight before we went into this. Yankees well, that was the, the Rays sweep, right? The Rays in Boston. The Rays. Yeah. Rays yeah. are the worst. Are you yeah. a Rays appreciator? Can I, can I just make, wait, before we go on, can I just make one statement? Yeah. Sure. In, in regards to the story that came out today, which alleges that the Jays may have stolen signs from, from, oh, <laughs> from, thing ever. from Tyler Glasnow. I would just lost that game. I would just like to say on behalf of myself and myself only, because I'm not going to presume to speak for the Toronto Blue Jays baseball fan base, but <laughs> I would just like to say, <laughs> fuck Tyler Glasnow. Fuck yeah, Kevin Cash. Fuck yep. Tropicana Field. Fuck the Tampa Bay Rays organization and fuck the Tampa Bay area as a whole. <laughs> well, damn. Well, that's kind of, yeah, you, you summed yeah. it up perfectly. I'm so, just happy. Mets already did their time at Tropicana. We're done. Thank God. Oh, we have to go there God. like nine times a year. You don't even know the pain. <laughs> there is not fun. I don't like watching the games there. I'm not going to blame Cash because like the way he manages the game or not, you know, the dude made the World Series last year with, you know, whatever payroll. I'm not going to go into the whole thing of like, oh, the Jays are a sensation, blah, 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 because you've heard that before. You know all that. Mm-hmm. But if the Tampa Bay Rays had a decent owner and a decent stadium and fans In to Montreal. fill that stadium, they would be much. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I don't personally, I Montreal would huge, love it. I'm a huge advocate of the Portland expansion team. I yeah. agree with you. Because I think that a Portland-Seattle rivalry would make both teams <laughs> infinitely more interesting. I completely agree with that. Like, yeah. I, I think that the Montreal market, I as much as I would love to have a team there, so I don't think that it'll, it'll yeah. mesh well. We've seen yeah. what happened. I, I feel like I, I don't want history to be doomed to like re- repeat itself. And yeah. then have to move to like Maine or something yeah. to the other port. <laughs> Maine, <laughs> Maine, yeah, just out of nowhere. Back to the Rays. Imagine being Wander Franco. And oh my coming god! Up to that organization where, yeah. like, I heard, I heard them speaking on MLB Network. God forbid, I never listened to MLB Network on the radio, but it was after the Adamas trade, mm. which was mind-boggling for me because I had done it in MLB the show like two days before. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. But it, even for like a lighter return, I don't know how I did it. But it, they had been saying it's perfect for Wander Franco. They're just going to plug him in anywhere and treat him like he's nobody. Yeah. Going into that stadium where everybody's like, if I were the number one prospect in baseball and I know that other teams would be drooling over my services, I would probably seek to play elsewhere. 
Not only because <laughs> I just am inherently biased all the way against the Rays, sure. but just realistically, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think, well, one, the Rays are, their core, their core is built on player development and situational playing. So if they're not in a position where they can, where they fully realize that Juan Franco, because Franco is going to be an everyday player, and that's not a thing that the Rays do a lot. It's it's so it, they have the number one prospect on their hands, and I'm I'm sure they're just being conservative and careful with it. But when the time comes for his call up, like you can't not play him every day. He's been hailed as like the Messiah. So I think they actually have a pretty interesting situation on their hands. But trading Adamas was the right move because they're just stocked to the Brewers with shortstop talent, and like the Brewers needed somebody because they lost that Grisham trade, and they know it. So I think the trade was good. I thought what the Rays got back was also more than I thought they would get for Adamas. He's not having really? a particularly good season. Yeah, we, I think we saw both of them in the series. Those two relievers that they got. How'd they do? Well, we lost all four games. But yes, it didn't be too badly. <laughs> I think that's something. But like, yeah. They fit, they fit the Rays mold perfectly. They're like two inning apiece guys with good stuff. I still, I thought they, that. that they could have maybe milked more off of another team. Like if Cincinnati were more kind of set they're on. They're rolling with Eugenio Suarez and I, they're still doing just insane to me. He's not a shortstop. What's his, He's what's just his, not. It's above average. It's the worst in the league, but I, th- by I think three. Last time I checked, he was, he was minus 11. The next lowest was like minus eight or minus nine. Oh my God! That's like yeah. putting Vlad at second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is though. It literally is. They're built pretty similarly, and like you had, I think it's messing with him too because he's not swinging that well either anymore. And like you know, that's tough. You have to learn how to play the hardest position on the field on the fly, and also bat. For, that's not fair. Yeah, yeah but like Firehouse and Rasmussen, like I, I guess it's a good return. But you know, for twenty-six-year-old relievers, for I think they're, what are they, 26 and 27 or 26 yeah, and 27? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a shortstop, what, 24 that has a decent amount of vibe that it'll put up like a 770 OPS, 100 OPS uh, plus. That's awesome. Good defender. I mean, he, he's okay at short, and he's not hitting that well. And I kind of feel like the Brewers yeah. got fleeced a little bit. He, he's little the best bit. hitter on the Brewers. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they're desperate because, you know, JBJ hasn't worked out at all. Yelich has been injured all the time. Kane's not playing that well. It's just not going to plan for them right now. Yeah, who's their best hitter? Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw was hitter. up there. I don't know how Travis he's doing right now. It's probably it's probably me if we're being honest. I think it's Omar. It's Omar <laughs> yeah, oh, he just right. got back from injury. I think he's oh, a hitter. Yeah, Omar. Omar. I, I do think you look more like Lucchese. Yeah, yeah, no, it, that, it's, we've all it's decided it's that. Yeah. Well, because the Omar thing was a meme. Because the kid commented it like four times, and I thought it was hilarious. Because I didn't see any like similarity no, at all. No, no. But it's I knew not people even would like, eat that up. I knew they would. Not even close to looking like you. Yeah, but it's funny. <laughs> yeah, and all the donos in chat where they're paying twelve dollars to put. Like, I don't want to call it a gambit, but I knew that the stream cab loved the meme and the player put the player on screen thing, like the donation thing. Mm-hmm. It just worked out perfectly because people wanted to see Omar up there. So they could be like, "Oh, Jolly, why is there two of you on the screen?" And like, ha ha ha. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. Not once. I do want to get back to to something you touched on earlier when we were talking about the Mets and your fandom. You said you really started to become a hardcore Mets fan around 2009. What got you into the Mets? And obviously New York has two teams. So why the Mets over the Yankees? That is a good question. Well, the easiest answer is my dad was a Mets fan. And he raised me as one and he took me to Mets games. So like naturally I became a Mets fan. But I think I, I was really fascinated with baseball cards when I was younger. And the first season that I rooted for the Mets was a, a season very similar to this one where everyone got injured. So we had Beltran, Delgado, Reyes, Wright, and all of them were injured. Those are like our four guys. All of them got injured by like May. And I really got to see a bunch of just like, honestly, scrubs. I got to see like Jeff Francoeur play. And I loved Jeff Francoeur because he had like a cannon for an arm. But I had all these baseball cards of these random guys. And like the next season rolled around, it was a whole new roster. So I got those cards. And then by then I was so in depth with Mets knowledge that trying to access another fan base or another team rather just didn't seem interesting (laughs) to me at all. So my mom's side of the family is all Yankees fans. And the whole time they're like, he needs to be Yankee. He's going to hate his life. And they were right. (laughs) Yankees fans being right. 
Right, Ray Rickards. Yeah. Yeah. Yankees fans need therapists as well. Like, <laughs> I mean, they've been they've been teased with the second coming of Maris Mantle for like four years now. <laughs> oh yeah, they have stuff. I'd be going insane if Jason Dominguez doesn't have a six hundred on base. They gotta leave that kid alone. They gotta leave that kid alone. Just fire Boone. That seems to be what most Yankees fans think will fix the situation. They like, off get that Boone train. Out, trade Andujar and Frazier for Mike oh Trout. That's God. right. I, <laughs> oh that's hilarious. God. Those are so because like, you know those are boomers too. Although it wasn't like uh, Andujar, Ford, Frazier for Mike Trout. Yeah, no. like Frazier. We don't want to get rid of him because he's you know he's a kid. He plays the game the right way. Hey, but, you know, if there. we have to, we'll trade him for Mike Trout. <laughs> we'll trade him for Jacob DeGrom. Willing to depart. I forget who said it. It was the one I posted it today. But I, it had Boomer written all over the profile. <laughs> we'll trade for Gallo, though, which will be annoying. Uh, Gallo, I was just talking about this with somebody. I feel like he's the, the he's like the best overrated player. Mm. And I feel like yeah. he, he gets so much slack. Because That's of a how good much. description. Yeah, because he's... I think he's overrated as fuck, but I still think he's a fantastic player and teams would be lucky to have him. Yeah. I think he goes to the Mets, to be honest. It's not out of the realm of possibility now, but I, I don't, because like the Rangers, they're a weird team, man. I don't really know what their situation is. The LOS, like, it doesn't look wide open. I don't think the Rangers are necessarily necessarily as bad as everyone thought they were going to be. So are they better than the Angels? Cause yeah, no. they're, the Angels are last right now. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't worry. Yeah. What's his name? Detmers will make his debut in 2023. Alex Cobb and Jose Quintana. Oh, yeah. Alex Cobb work. is just the anchor of the rotation. It's, it's just, tough. We've got kids in I, Anaheim. Just I want better for them. I really do. Me too. Angels fans deserve it. Angels players <laughs> deserve it. But, man, I, I'm not convinced at all. I wasn't sold when they were hot in the streets in April. I'm not sold now. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it's it's hard to you have to be very cautiously optimistic because yeah. you know that if somebody goes down like if Trout goes down with an injury, which or Bundy goes down with an injury, yeah. God forbid, the team is just going to start spiraling out of control. You're going to be calling up Chris Rodriguez, uh, put, putting Chris why is, Rodriguez. And, why is Joe Adele still down? Yeah, he hit like ten homers in seventeen games. They haven't called him up yet. Harry Manassian still thinks he isn't ready, which is a conversation for later. I, I think he's I th- ready. I think when, he, look, when he looks Joe like Joe Madden. Joe Madden said something like he needs more time in the minors last season. I think that just messed with him, or yeah. maybe it made him hungry. I don't he, know. If he, I, I saw some video like of him swinging. He looks like Tatis. He's remodeled his swing, and he looks exactly like Fernando Tatis Jr., which is a pretty good person to model yeah. after. He deserves <laughs> the call. I, I feel like he should have just got the call after Fowler went down because Fowler went down pretty early, and Adele he was right us? there. Yeah, that was, in that game against us, like yeah. sliding yeah. in the second. Yep, that was yep. bad. I remember seeing that. And I, I think if Gallo ends up on the Mets, they have the ultra Italian super team. And as an really Italian, do. I'd love to <laughs> see it. I'd love to see Gallo, Conforto, Nemo. I just like. I Lucchese. think the Mets still go a cheaper route, though. I don't know. I think Where they're going to hold out for their injured players to come back, and they don't want to trade for somebody and give up a lot, and then have everyone come back and they can't find a place to play them. Your tweet yeah. on Grossman was perfect. Yeah, like, I, I, my, my friend added a little detail to it that I think would be great. I think the Mets should go out and they should get Grossman and Nico Gudrun. Nico Gutram isn't a fantastic player, but he plays like all seven positions in the field. Uh, Nico Gutram striking out forty percent of the time this year. Yeah, baby. Oh yeah, it's right into oh, our. That'll world. be perfect. It's like the Grossman's a good top of the lineup kind of bat, and like, listen, forty percent K rate. Yeah, not good. But we can't field the team right now. We're mm-hmm. we're trading for scraps because we have Cameron Maben in center field. Okay, when you say <laughs> scraps, do you Billy mean Billy the Billy legend Billy? Brandon Drury and Billy Brandon Drury? He hit a home right. run the other day. He hit a home hey. run, and the bat hit him. Such a Brandon Drury thing. <laughs> that wasn't a good trade either. Ian, oh, what oh my day? god, what a bad trade! McKinney, ah, geez. Well, because people uh, thought those Drury were bad was going to be the man, and then he got like LASIK surgery, and everyone was like, "Here he comes," and then he just never he, came. He had a migraine. Pro- I think that's what it was. Like, I yeah. think Brandon Drury. I remember reading up on it because I have really bad migraine problems as well. Mm-hmm. But Drury like Bummer. had terrible migraine problems. Where like I think one of his DL stints or IL stints, my bad, was completely due to that. And like yeah. migraines can mess you up. Yeah, like man, if your tough. eyes are killing you, your head is killing you. You, you can't, can't play focus. day games practically. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you know a lot of factors here. But Drury basically was only good against the Oakland days for us. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> the only Oakland A's, everybody else, just Danny Jansen up at the plate. Danny Jansen. I can't yeah, believe he's still getting crazy playing time. That's like, <laughs> well, we, well that, that, that's mostly because yeah, Kirk went down with an injury. Thing. Would yeah. you take McCann over Jansen or Jansen over McCann? Oh, that's a good question. McCann's not that good behind the plate. I think I would take Jansen. Yeah, James Damn. McCann is not really – yeah, turning out for you an RBI ground out yesterday. <laughs> hey, kind of sick. Sounds like Randall Gritchick. Yeah, baby. Oh, I would. I would kill for Randall Gritchick. Oh, yeah. Can you take him? Can you take him? No, take him. please. I will fly. I, I will fly a private plane out. Here, you go, Noah. Dude, they're oh. gonna suit me up for center. All Jays seem to just hate Gritchick. When we first trade, for, the front office was like suiting on. Like always has been they signed in an extension when he's playing horrendous. In his first two years, he was constantly in a slump. And this has sort of been like a breakout year from sort of. He's still streaky. But I think he fit he fits been, his role really well. Because he's like fourth outfielder that kind of got thrust into the mix a little bit. Yeah, but I think they're paid more than that. Like more yeah, than that's that the bad I was gonna say. Like their vision for him makes sense. The amount they paid him doesn't make sense. Well, he's playing like a starter this year. Yeah. And he has yeah, been this whole time. Like Springer, with Springer signing, he was not going to be. But he's been out, and Gritchick has played his way over Telez for yeah. the DH spot. So, Which, you know, Telez will start. Not impossible. Yeah. yeah, but you couldn't pay the guy to get on base. Yeah. You know? Like, it, it, it's, it's, that's the problem with me and Gritchick. Like, we've never gotten along. <laughs> like, I, I think he posted up a... a, like e- a even though Gritchick doesn't realize that you two have problems, this has always been the yeah, issue. Yeah, we, we kind of have a riff going. Yeah, you guys are on a first-name basis, but he also doesn't know who you are. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're very, very tough relationship. But he posted up, like, a 275, if someone could check that, on, on base in, like, 2019. I ate James McCann levels, field. baby. Let's go. Oh. Yeah, exactly. He's just James McCann in center field. Or the Mets version of Jed Lowry just popped into center Poor field. Jed. They gave him- oh, my gosh. <laughs> Poor Jed. We I, had I'm a happy joke for- on another podcast about Jed Lowry where as soon as he was about to take build uh, the Wilpons piano on like, Yeah, he can't come out today. Can't tell you why, but he can. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad about that signing. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. It, and and the. When it first came up before anything with Jed in the boot or like his undisclosed injuries, it also didn't make sense because we had Neil, we had Rosario, we had Norman, we had there was no place to play Jed every day. Jed's an everyday, he was an everyday player when we signed him. So the 20 mil down the drain didn't make sense at first, and that was like a typical Brody move. Um, but then Jed was on the 60 day IL the entire time he was here, and it wasn't his I'm fault, so- but you know, they made it seem like it was. I'm so glad you're free from that Wilpon era. (laughs) Being on the other side of it, we aren't fans. And then we're still feeling bad for an entire fan base because of how terrible these own. Jeez. I'm fully prepared to like live with the Wilpons as the owners like the rest of my life. (laughs) Sorry, but we got Simeon Woods Richardson. We're, we're okay. That's okay. A, I, I hey, did. I was sad about giving him up because. But you got like Noah Syndergaard from us. So. I didn't care. Anthony K was really overrated. I was oh, super yeah. fine trading him. I was a big advocate for trading him. SRF. That was a tough one. Yeah. I have a spot spot, uh, soft spot. I can't even talk anymore. Soft spot for K, but yeah, he he did not really live up to the expectation. Given it's only been two years, what has it been? I think he'll be he'll be fine out the bullpen, but I think a lot of projections had him as a legitimate four to five starter, and I just never bought it. Yeah, I think he's a reliever. Last yeah. year, he was out of the pen the whole time with all the 60-day, like, end of rotation starters getting moved to the pen. And he was really good. But, yeah, you know, I did, like, a Blue Jays video. And besides his one blow-up versus the Mets, he had, like, a two yeah. ERA. So he had that yeah. one bad game. That was it. His return yeah. home, and he gets absolutely shelled. Yeah, a little bit. Hopefully that doesn't happen with Mats because he's supposed to start on, like, July 23rd or something. Yeah, he um, mapped it out. Yeah, I, I, I might go. Like, if, if the borders are open. I'm I was there. at his debut game, so I'd love to watch him pitch again. You just cool. would be perfect just to see him pitch back at City. I, I really hope that it, it, the season stays at where he's at, at least. Like a, yeah. He's I want Matt's to play well. point. I, 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 really I had a soft spot for him. I, I'd love to see him pitch at, at City Field too. Like I, I would love to go across across the borders and get back to City Field. I absolutely love being there. Like I've said many times on a couple of times on this show, like I've been to four Mets games at City Field, and Stephen Matz happened to start two of those games. <laughs> um, oh, so, so seeing him start there as a as a Blue Jay would be would be nice. <laughs> 
Oh, it's yeah. funny because we we've never got to see Hyunjin Ryu pitch in person. Nope. Oh my god. It's like these little things we'll never get. We may never get to see Marcus Semyon in a Blue Jays uniform, and he may he may put up like a seven war season by fluke of nature <laughs> yeah. with the way oh he's gosh. playing right now, and we may never get to see him. I bet like, you it's affecting the team. Like they haven't played against home uh, with home fans. Like when we were facing Tampa, they were all Tampa Bay fans, and, and Semyon said something. Semyon put out a quote. Yeah, Semi was like, he said, like, they like playing away better because it's normal. Because in Dunedin, all the fans, there's no Jays fans there. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Every single game, it's always been the opposing team that's overshadowed everything. And the players hate it. And they always, and Buffalo will be better because, like. Yeah, they don't have a home stadium right now. It's tough. Yeah. And, and and it's like I said on this, on this show, I can't remember if it was last episode or a couple episodes before that, but, like, I, I have no problem with, with other fans coming into your home stadium and, like, taking it over, right? I, I can't yeah. say too too many bad things about that because, as I said before, like, Jays fans do that all the time, especially with games like in Seattle. We go there and we take over T-Mobile Field. But what, ma- what makes it frustrating this time around as a Jays fan is, is the fact that A, Dunedin's not really our home field, and B, because of the border closures, we can't even go there, and the real Blue Jays fans can't even be there. So it's like everything's literally stacked against us in our own quote-unquote home field. But hopefully, once we get to Buffalo, things will be a little bit better. Obviously, those series against the Yankees and and the Mets, with Buffalo still being in New York State, there's probably going to be an overflow of Mets and Yankees fans, but it's going to be a little bit more even. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not like in Seattle. Seattle fans have the opportunity to buy a ticket. Like they have the opportunity to go to those games. One hundred percent. Yeah. Buy them. And like you get to see Bautista backwards moonwalk that one time. <laughs> yeah. That that was a moment for sure. But like, unless you're fortunate and like in Canada, we call like them snowbirds, like people that have houses in Florida, escape the snow in Toronto. Yeah. It, unless you're someone that has, you know, a condo in Sarasota or whatever, you don't have a shot to even see. Like, it's just, it's but, tough but they're it, a really likable group. And, and even with that, like how many of those, how many of those snowbirds are actually being are able to travel right now because of the border restrictions none <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. there's no market for physical in-person attendance in buffalo range, but i'm happy we're out of there yeah, it was cores mini cores like that was rough <laughs> that was rough yeah yeah but man like just just to go back to mets and blue jays for for a second like one guy that I'm happy is doing really well for the Mets that I was really sad to see leave Toronto was was Taiwan Walker. What what have, what are your thoughts so far this season on what Taiwan Walker's done for the for the Mets? Yeah, it was the, I think the steal of the season just in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He couldn't find a home. It was, and I have no uh, idea why the Jays didn't I resign bit, him. I really thought I thought Toronto was going to bring him back. Me too. I thought for sure that was a lock. Yep. And it never came together. I was really, so I'm happy he fell he fell to us because we've absolutely needed him, and hopefully he'll What's be back soon. But it was a two year deal, I think. Is, right? It had it has a third year option, and it was only like the somewhere in the ten to fifteen range. Like not. I think it was twenty. I think it was 20? twenty. Okay. It was around that vicinity. But the point is, it was affordable, and it's not like teams didn't need starters, especially the Blue Jays. So the fact that he fell to us, I'm thankful for, but I still can't believe it happened. Two, two, like, two years for $20 million. It, it That's just so sad that Taiwan Walker got less this year than what the yeah. Jays fucking paid Tanner Rourke last season. Oh, oh my God. God. Don't, God. Don't bring it. Oh, don't start. Uh, how much I will buy you a jersey and make you wear it if you keep talking about him. So maybe it's best not to talk about it. Did, did he get more than Walker? How much did he get? Oh, he got like thirteen mil per season. Okay. When 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 oh we si- when we Tyler signed Robert's him last year, it was it was two million yeah, dollar deal. Two years, twenty four. Practice. That's oh nuts. my god! That the diesel, nuts. the diesel engine, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the amount of memes that he produced, though, that will forever <sighs> be legendary for that. But Guerrero's home run derby pitcher should be him. <laughs> yeah, I agree. At Coors, 
Tanner Rourke, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you cannot create a better pairing. So yeah. many missiles. But here, here, here's the thing. With Rourke, though, you know he'll find a way to fuck it up, and somehow Vladdy will miss, like, every pitch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Rourke was... Oh, my... Yep. <laughs> Just, and, and Chase Anderson. That was a bad year for Whew. Atkins acquiring pitchers. Yeah, not good. Just not good. But this year looks like a different story. But back to Walker. Like, Robbie I remember Ray, John, baby. I remember Robbie watching a video of yours on Walker. I forget I forget which one it was. It was you talked about Walker in the video. I don't think the subject was Walker, but with his fit, there was there was a massive differential in Toronto. It was like I think he carried yeah. like a one point five ERA, something nuts like that, but with kind of a fit in the fours. Yeah. And then like you could see that as a worry for, you know, the pitching corps in Toronto. But like if you see, I think with the Mets it's in the twos. Yeah. It's, but I, 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 I really think a lot of that for FIP last year, he had that one really bad game against the Yankees where he just completely imploded, but he only he only ended up giving up one earned run because because the Jays had made like two or three errors in the inning. But he's like so he only got charged with starts for you guys. Yeah. But he ended up only getting charged for one earned run. But I think the Yankees ended up getting like seven or eight runs in that inning. But most of them were yeah, charged yeah. to the air. I think that's where his FIP really got in, got inflated. It was just that one implosion of yeah. a game against the Yankees. It, it was ne- The concern was never the FIP for me. It was always, can he stay healthy? And yeah. this thing that he's sidelined with right now, it's not a huge concern. It's like right side tightness or something. He's already like pretty much that, ready to go. That's what we thought with Springer. Like <laughs> spring training. Oh, he's going to be back. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was, even, if, even if he can give us a four ERA and eat six innings every time he goes, that's good enough for me. That's totally that's fantastic. fantastic. Even for the contract, too. Because yeah. as a pitcher, if you're putting up a four and you're sitting there in a rotation that kind of needs a little bit of bulk at the end, you're doing your job. Yeah. Like, Better than works. Tanner Roark. Better than Tanner Roark. That's <laughs> such a low standard. Yeah, but that's, that's where the bar was. It was where the bar was. You're very right. And another thing with, like, the Jays have done this. They got by with this last year, like, putting all of the weight on the bullpen. Like, all of it. This year, for the first month and a half, they got all these under the radar guys. They usually do, like, all these reclamation guys, like Chatwood, Phelps, who's out for the year. They got these two guys on waivers, Piams and Castro, who to this point have done really well. But they were like absolutely lights out for the first month and a half of the year, mm-hmm. like carrying us essentially pitching wise. And then now everything's imploded with injuries are obviously a factor in it, but it's just gone down the drain. Like Romano, got, like the high leverage guys stayed steady, sort of. Not Merriweather. That's the only guy. Well, Merriweather's always injured. And Delis, I've been a little disappointed by. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, the, the Rafael Delis experience, as Blue Jays fans like to call it, because he takes, like, he's like the Pedro Baez <laughs> yeah, of the Toronto this Blue Jays. Takes forever. And <laughs> I, I, anti Mark Burley. And sorry to interrupt. I just want to, because I found what Taiwan's contract actually is. He signed a three year deal worth $23 million. So he's getting an extra year and $1 million less than fucking Tanner Rourke. That's just ridiculous. Jesus That's a bad Christ. signing. Cow. That's terrible. I didn't even, wow. Good for us, though. Fire his name. Fantastic for you. Yeah. He fired his agent. That's right. Why would you fire the guy? He got paid that much. Oh my oh, god, that's terrible. But yeah, back to the bullpen piece. Like the Mets have a relatively established bullpen. Like we always kind of go the route of finding lightning in a bottle for the bullpen, which I kind of like because that 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 approach kind of saves us more money for the offensive lineup and for the starting pitching. Yeah. But like you guys have a very established bullpen. Like as opposed it's, to ours that just works, you guys have guys that have been good, like Diaz, yeah. May, Familia, Castro. Castro wow. Familia is going to blow up at some point. From from going to the know. from the Mets games that I've gone to, <laughs> Familia here, blew up every single game. Because <laughs> the Mets, for as long as I've been a fan of them, even when they were in the playoffs. They never had a reliable bullpen. They maybe had one or two go-to guys, and everything else was pretty flimsy. But with the traits we pulled off, the one that comes to mind is Sean Reed Foley. Lucchese had a good timeout last time. I'm still not fully sold. But 
the Mets did their homework for the first time in a while. And I think <laughs> it also applies to Familia. I know you brought him up before. Familia, over his career, has been a very good pitcher in the sixth and seventh inning, not in the eighth and ninth yep. inning. And now he can yep. comfortably reside in those middle innings because of guys like Castro, who can pretty much be used in any situation other than closing. May, who usually gets two, three, four. So he comes in seventh or eighth. And then you have Diaz as you're closer. I think we're being a lot more strategic with the way that we use our weapons. Weapons that we did pay for and give up capital for. But I think because we're using them correctly, it's been totally worth it. Yeah. If Familia, I always remember seeing the Mets fans retweeting that video where they turn the volume way up of Familia and his walkout song. And oh, yeah. You, you must know that video. Him, and, him, he's got a good one on Diaz. That's a good one. The trumpets. Yeah. And, and like, he's kind of a mystery to me because he's, what is he? He has like a 1 7 whip. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really high. And his ERA is, and his ERA is lower than his whip, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, his ERA is is almost lower than his away. Okay, <laughs> right around there. It, it it's it's certainly an interesting case with him because he's always been a relatively effective reliever, but you know never really did well as the closer except for that what fifty save season that he had that one. Yeah, year. it was twenty fifteen, I think, or twenty sixteen, one of those. What like with relief with reliever seasons? That's got to be one of the best in recent memory. If you other than you know Zach, Zach Britton. Britton. Yeah, it's just, the, it's the best in Mets history in terms of the amounts of saves. I don't know if it's the, if it's the best Mets reliever season though. I, I, one thing is, like, I I remember the Mets as being a, a good bullpen. I don't know what I was thinking because, like, what you're describing, I think seems a little more realistic. But I remember the Mets bullpen always being a little reliable. I think serviceable is more the term. We were never like to the point where it was losing. A, I mean, it lost us the chance to be in the playoffs in 2019. That's what I always go back to. Well, you were um, you better can, than us. Yeah, I mean, you can, bl- <laughs> you can blanket blame Diaz for that, but it, it was a whole like operatic problem with the bullpen. Man, but, I, 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 speaking of playoffs, and sorry to interrupt, like my, I, I, I'm still disheartened over that 2015 season because it really should have oh, been yeah. the I Jays. For sure, it was going to be us. Yeah, I, really I thought, thought it was going to be us. I thought it was going to be Jays versus Mets. I, I, if Game Six had have played out, if the Jays had have ended up winning Game Six. I think momentum was totally in their favor, and I think there's no way going back home too, right? No, because Can- Kansas still had home field advantage. But I mean, we were down three games to one at one point. So I really think that if Game Six had have gone our way, if that bloody kid didn't catch that oh, ball that God. wasn't a home run, if if the home plate umpire didn't completely fuck us on two batters on missed called strikes in the in the top of the ninth inning, and we had have managed to win that Game Six, you yeah. can't convince me that we would not have won Game Seven. And to this day, I still believe it should have been Blue Jays Mets in that World Series. I think it would have beat us, though. Like I think that I Mets- like I'm not trying to talk slack on your team, but I, I definitely preferred that matchup to the Royals. Mm. Yeah, but like, but how I awesome would that have been? Team, but you definitely would have won. But how it would have been? I think it would have been a much more entertaining series. How awesome would it have been to have Syndergaard versus Dickey? The two there were so many. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There were so many good storylines yeah, in that matchup yeah. between the trades and like. The Blue Jays overtaking the Yankees and like having the, having won the division for the first time in like forever. I think there was a lot of good like media material. I feel like it would have been like a more fondly remembered World Series. And like luckily we had a ton of great World Series in the last decade. Yeah, I go back that to 2014, changed 2016. so dramatically. Yeah, like it went from Kansas City and San Francisco, blah blah blah, Dodgers Astros, massive. Yeah. You had even the the Nationals Astros World Series. Yeah, no, that's it. I mean, I, I'm I'm friends with some bitter Mets fans that like to discount that series, but that was a great watch. Yeah, it, it was two teams that I didn't particularly like, but I it was good baseball. The, the, that that we were so close to that World Series that uh, my, one of my the one uh, a friend of my dad's actually has tickets that were made for a Mets v Jays World Series, oh, but were never were that. never used. That's good memorabilia. Yeah, that is. I'd oh, love to have that. Those. That's like uh, the time when the Raptors tra- were in the finals. I'll I was track supposed them down. to go. If they had lost, if they had lost that game in Golden State, I was supposed to go. You have no idea how weirdly <sighs> disappointed I was that they <laughs> won. And they had won the entire thing, and I was sitting at home disappointed. But the one last thing that I want to ask you before before we start to wrap up, tight race in the NL East right now. Three games separate the Mets from Washington, who are currently in last place. How do you think the season plays out for the Mets? Where do you get? Where do you think you're gonna end up finishing? 
Okay, good question. So I'm going to give you my preseason prediction first that I'd like to stay true to. I had Atlanta in first with, I believe, 95 wins. I had the Mets in second with 92. I had the Marlins in third with a flat 81 at 500. Then I had the Phillies. Then I had the Nationals. I don't know what is going on with the Braves. I think the Braves desperately need a move. Uh, I'm not going to drink the Kool-Aid on them being out of it because it's the Braves. They've won the division the past three years. Yep. But the Philly implosion, the Nationals underperforming, I'm going to stick to my 4-5 rate of them. But if the the, the fact I, – I, I do my best to not be biased because there are a lot of Mets baseball content creators, Mets fans, and a lot of them are biased. I'm not going to name names, but a lot of them are biased. I think we know. And – <laughs> yeah, I, I, I I just I have a feeling about this season. I don't know. I, maybe it's because I went to a game yesterday and I'm still feeling the high from it. But the fact that this team is not only afloat above 500, but in first place with this double A lineup that's out there. If we can get our weapons back and they stay on the field, I don't think that any East team is going to stop us. Awesome. All right. So we'll we'll wrap things there. Just before we go again, thank you, Jolly. Is there any final words that you would like to say? And also let people know where they can find you on all the social medias. And congratulations, by the way, because your tweet just popped up on my timeline from like nine hours ago about your your Akuna versus the Marlins video reaching 100,000 yeah. views on YouTube. So congratulations on that. Thank Having said much. that again, any final words and where can people find you on social media? Yeah, so it's Jolly Olive on YouTube and on Twitter and on Twitch. I'm sure if you type it in, it'll just pop up which is cool because when you used to search Jolly Olive, nothing would come up. <laughs> I come up. So that's, that's always good. Go follow Blue Jays memes on Twitter. Go follow the guys on Twitter. Y'all know that. It was great talking with you guys. I've done a lot of podcasts in the recent weeks, but this was like the most conversational and like hanging out one I've done. So I really enjoyed this. Like the hour flew by. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you guys do good stuff here. I, I hope you guys keep up with it because so you guys rising up in the ranks a little bit on the podcast leaderboards or whatever it, they're called in Australia. Yeah, it was a weird week. Yeah, you know, it was a big, big week. Big, but, week, big, big week. As you said, the, the hour flew by and we definitely would love to have you back on again at some point in the future. If, you, if yeah. you're willing to come back on. <laughs> couple, couple the months post-season. down the line when both our teams are out of it. Yeah, <laughs> You mean when both of our teams are fighting to face yeah. each other in the World Series this year? I like the, I like the optimism. Yeah. <laughs> Having said that, guys, as far as this show is concerned, thank you very much to everybody who's helped get us over 300 downloads. We reached 300 late this, uh, very early this morning. We're at 305 total downloads. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody that's listened to this show, left us ratings, left us reviews. We greatly appreciate it. You can find us on most major podcasts and platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn Radio, and Podbean. Ace is on basis. Let's go. He's spitting. <laughs> He's done this a couple times. He's good. I'm, I'm used to doing this. This is what I do. Ace is on basis. Podbean.com. You can also find us on social media. We've got individual social medias, but the account for the show is at Aces on Bases on Twitter. I am working on getting a Facebook page set up still, so hopefully very, very soon you can find us there. And as always, guys, whether you're listening to this in the morning, the afternoon, the evening, whatever time of day it is, where you are when you're listening, we thank you for listening. We appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you soon, and I'll let the sweet, sweet sounds of Ace Fraley take us away and close us out. In the New York blues In the New
I'm back. 